cravings, you know that you really are testament that you are what you eat. That's because when I rehomed you, you had a few issues, not least with your leg calves perves disease, but with over nine years of feeding you on a raw, balanced and complete diet, you're thriving. And that's why we're jumping on Zoom now to chat to Esther Logue from Paleo Ridge. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Esther Logue, gosh, thanks so much for coming back onto A Dog's Life. Oh, thanks so much for having me back, Anna. Oh, no, I love it. I love our chats because, you know, I'm such a nutrition nerd to have the opportunity to talk about the latest breaking news in nutrition and highlighting how a balanced, complete, raw diet just fuels the immune system. I could talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why we uh, we end up having quite long conversations don't we because we're on the same page um and nutrition is just such a you know a huge subject um especially when it comes to to dogs as well absolutely you know and, and it is because it's such an evolving area because I know we were chatting earlier this week and uh you mentioned and uh, gosh you know it'd be lovely to know you know when you did your switch you know to raw and notice the differences in your dog and the funny thing is you see I suppose it's because my dad was quite an old dad as dads went because he was born in 1920 so and they all had dogs and and obviously in 1920 there was no prescription diets being invented obviously so dad obviously and all the family and relatives and everybody fed their dogs on on meat and bits and bobs really that was all there was and they all really thrived on that so it was that kind of thought process that our family dogs were all fed on and I used to spend a huge amount of time with my auntie Pip who had six dogs and was such a dog aficionado I mean it's with her I went to Crufts every year because oh such a long story and she introduced me to Tibetan Spaniels anyway and I used to help her feed all her dogs and her two cats you know I was eight at this time and Auntie Pip used to boil up loads of lamb's hearts and I used to help her chop them up and then feed all her dogs so for me it's always been totally normal not to feed processed foods and that's something I emulate with myself you know as well I'm not a processed food fan for my my own human consumption either that's so interesting yeah really interesting and I think you're um you know you're you're quite rare in this instance you know amazing that you had that amazing that you grew up with with people who were knowledgeable um you know and and feeding meat as well you know feeding hearts um you know, not a lot of people will do that nowadays. Yeah. And it was Molly's breeder. I mean, that was just by you know, luck, really. And then she fed all her bull terriers on a whole variety of different types of meat. But in the main, raw green tripe. And she okay. was she actually got tripe, gross as this sounds, from the abattoir. And she would, you know, deal with it. <laughs> It didn't Brilliant. arrive nicely minced, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as your tripe does, which I love. And I, I'd actually never heard of raw green tripe. You know, I didn't actually at first know exactly what it was. And I never forget ringing <laughs> my local vet saying, oh, hello, I hope you can help me. My puppy's breeder wants me to feed her on raw green tripe. Do you sell it? <laughs> <laughs> They must have been thinking, what? <laughs> I know. I can't really repeat um, <laughs> what they said, you know, apart from, do you really know what it is? And I said, yes, yes, I've researched it. Well, you can't feed that to your dog. I said, well, why not? Because she's a dog and so on. And I said, all, all, her, all her relatives look really good on it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's it. And I think once you see that, you know, firsthand and you see how... Um, you know, trim and shiny and, you know, sprightly dogs are when they have been fed a raw diet. I mean, you can't really argue with that. Um, seeing it, you know, in front of you compared to a dog who's fed on processed foods who, you know, maybe doesn't have quite a shiny coat and is a bit more sluggish. And, you know, it's it's just there in front of you and that it's 
packed. <laughs> um, yeah. proof, proof is in the pudding, really. It is, it is, it certainly is. And um, I must say, raw foods, I mean, people talk about them a lot and some people are quite confused, but the quality of raw brands, I mean, way back in 2002, there weren't any. Um, there was one company, two companies offering raw green tripe only in the whole country. So the market, I feel, has evolved so much as also the science has been piling in on nutrition, not only in a canine world, but in a human world as well. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot more. You're seeing a lot more. Well, I am certainly online about people actually talking about the microbiome now, um, which, you know, if you go back a few years, this was something that you would mention it and people just didn't know what it was. Um, and I think that's being brought up a lot more now, um, you know, about gut health and the importance of gut health and how your gut, you know, what you put in affects every other system of the body. Um, and it's really great to see that actually, you know, nutrition is becoming more of a focus now than it has been in previous years. Absolutely. And that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's about keeping the microbiome fueled with bacteria. I think so many people are afraid of germs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, the, all, the, all those adverts years ago, you know, kills all known germs. But we actually need bacteria and germs. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, those adverts you're talking about where I think it's, you know, for all these hand gels, you know, that that are everywhere. And especially since COVID as well, you know, there's these antibacterial hand gels and they kill 99% of bacteria, which is wonderful for killing, you know, the nasty bacteria, but they're also getting rid of the healthy bacteria as well. Um, and you are seeing that a lot more, you know, with household products and everything. So whilst it is good to have a clean environment, um, you know, having it too clean and killing off too much bacteria can actually have a detrimental effect, um, you know, to yourself and your dog as well. Yeah, and it's interesting. There's, there's been so many studies about how children who grow up with dogs actually have a much stronger immune system, more disease resilient than um, children who don't actually grow up with pets. That's interesting, actually. <laughs> really interesting. I know. Sometimes I think that's maybe why touch wood. I, <laughs> I seem okay. I remember my dad would go, Anna, don't let the dog lick your face. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, don't be silly. And <laughs> oh, dad. <laughs> um, and, you know, I did. <laughs> Well, I think it's I think it's important for, you know, especially children to grow up in environments that have bacteria in them you know like going outside playing outside and sitting in dirt and you know the only way that a body's immune system whether you know whether you're a, a canine or a, or a human is to be exposed to different types of bacteria because exposing yourself to bacteria allows your immune system to send in all the you know all the helper cells to go in and recognize this bacteria deal with it and strengthen the immune system to know how to deal with it if they come into contact with it again so all the time that you're, you know, shielding um, your your child or your dog from from bacteria, um, it, it could actually be doing them a lot more harm in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is really, really, really true. It is thinking about the immune system, like you've just said, how it builds and, and remains robust. It's such a clever thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. our bodies, our bodies are so brilliant <laughs> at self-healing and dealing with 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 everything to make you resilient against disease and of course fueling your brain because the most recent research on you know the microbiome and the gut is this extraordinary relationship between your stomach basically and your head yeah it's it's fascinating isn't it and i think you know we as as humans and canines as well, I think at every you know animal on this planet, um, their bodies are built in such a way that natural healing is what they are built to do. And if you're giving them the right nutrients and support um, to do that, then ultimately the chances of you know having diseases would be quite slim. Um, and the link between the stomach and the brain is just amazing. Um, you know the the term "you are what you eat." 
uh, rings very true with that. You know, if you eat a lot of processed foods all the time, when you're drinking a lot of fizzy drinks and you're not having much water or nutrition, chances are your mood is going to be quite low and you're going to find it hard to think properly and do tasks in an efficient way. Um, same with dogs as well. You know, if they're eating processed foods on a daily basis, um, especially with puppies as well, because trying to train a puppy who's, you know, maybe a bit cognitively impaired <laughs> um, makes it very tricky. It certainly does. No, it, absolutely it does. I see that very often, to be honest with you. And in many of my consults, I do recommend if dogs, um, I mean, one of my cases at the moment that I'm particularly chuffed with is this uh, little Boston called Mavis. And um, I know her owners won't mind me talking about her. And she was on a processed wet food. And I sort of said, look, you know, she's got a, an issue with her leg. She's got a slipping kneecap as well. She is a rehome. So they got her at about 18 months and she already had this kneecap problem. Plus, she's very bull breed and very OCD and very strong willed. So anyway, we've totally got her on the right path, including switching her diet, because I said to them, look, you know, she's six roughly halfway through let's try and make that be you know maybe she's got another eight years mm -hmm. and by really changing her gut I think you'll really see a difference in her kind of slightly moody hyperactive tantrums and indeed in only two weeks they are seeing a big difference in this her recovery from her OCD tantrums that have become a habit because behavior is a habit is much quicker so I saw her actually on Monday this week and I, I sort of said, oh, here we go. It's Mad Mavis now. She's gone into Mad Mavis. But we sat it out, no eye contact, folded our arms, looked at the ceiling and Mad Mavis turned into normal Mavis much quicker than two weeks earlier where I couldn't sit on the floor with her anymore. She was semi attacking me. So I had to stand up and use height as a bit of a, a tool. Um, so um, there you go. There you go. There you go. Amazing. And, you know, you doing what you do, which is brilliant, you know, doing training and, you know, analysing behaviour as well um, to see it firsthand. I mean, for you, you know, I suppose, especially since you were, you know, eight years old, you've you've actually seen firsthand the, uh, the amazing benefits um, of, of having a healthy diet. I know. And the thing was, when I was eight years old, you know, most people did not feed their dogs on processed food. Yeah, because that was, was it the 80s when um, processed when food? When I was eight. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> when processed food first started to come about, was it the 80s when it became like really popular? Yeah, late 70s, I think, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And I think, well, I mean, since then, it's just, you know, it's the... Well, if you look at the stats in dogs' health from, you know, from like around the 80s to now um, and an increase in health conditions since feeding a processed food diet, I mean, it's, you know, it's a no brainer, really, seeing the link there. Absolutely. And particularly also with physical conditions, like going back to Mavis for a moment, um, mm. her slipping kneecap is when you think arthritis and joint issues are all caused by inflammation and sometimes calcification also of the joints by switching diets so that the diet is actually reducing inflammation in the body rather than in some cases creating the inflammation you're going to be helping joint issues as well as gut issues brain issues coat issues it's like such an easy way to promote natural well-being Definitely. And like you said earlier as well, the quality of the food, you know, makes makes a huge amount of difference as well, like the quality of the meat, because I know there's, you know, <clears throat> there's so many different companies out there um, who uh, produce, you know, raw food or cooked food, you know, whatever it is. Um, but it all comes down to the quality of the meat of those animals and how they were raised, whether they're outdoor reared or grass fed, uh, makes a huge difference actually on the well-being of the dog you're feeding it to. 
Well, absolutely. I and mean, that's um, a whole issue, isn't it? You know, yeah. antibiotics and, and the fact that meat has cortisol in it, it you know, because the transportation, I, mean, I, I find this part of it all a bit, a bit sort of squeamish, I suppose. I don't like to think of when I'm feeding the dogs, for example, some paleo-rich turkey, I don't like to think of turkeys. But, no. but that's that's just because I'm a massive animal lover and it's because I'm an animal lover that I want to feed my dogs on what's going to make them be the most healthy and some paleo ridge turkey for example is a fantastic option that you offer definitely and you know we have I speak to many people on a weekly basis who you know phone up wanting to switch to raw and they're actually vegans themselves um and they you know don't like the idea of having to deal with raw meat but they know it's the best diet for their dog so because of that they they do it which is which i think is amazing especially if they've got quite strong morals you know about animals themselves um even that just goes to show that it is the best diet for dogs if if vegans can feed their their dogs uh meat then that says a lot too <laughs> yeah no absolutely but i you're right about the sourcing um because of course there are so many brilliant british farmers that are actually enriching the planet rather than as many vegans think destroying the planet and we need yeah. the biodiversity and we need um ethical farmers of course industrialized farming like industrialized pretty much anything is not good but so many are, are not doing that now. Yeah, it's it's becoming more common. And I think, you know, the um, people are becoming more wise to the fact that, you know, the raw food industry is, is, is growing substantially. And I think, you know, other people want to get on board with that, which is great, you know, spread the word about raw. But we have to remember that, you know, whilst feeding a raw diet, that you've got to have good traceability um, of your meat. And I think any reputable company will have good traceability of where their meat comes from um, and how it's produced and I think if you know anybody who is looking to switch to raw obviously look for a company that does have that traceability because if you can't see where that meat has come from chances are it's probably not going to be a very good quality um, you know that's something that we uh, believe in quite a lot and we we you know go and visit all of our farms and abattoirs um, and everywhere we source our meat from and we do that on a regular basis to make sure they're keeping in line with the regulations um, and I think that that's really important for feeding a healthy natural diet. Yes and there are so many brands popping up you're absolutely right like to jump on this new trend which frankly yeah. isn't new it's not new it's been happening for thousands of years dogs eating meat but it's what concerns me slightly is some of the white label brands. What do you make of that? Yeah, so I think white labeling is becoming uh, more popular. Um, I don't know personally a huge amount about the white labeling industry. However, um, I think if anybody, uh, I think if you are white labeling, again, I think there is there is a sort of legislation in place to have traceability on where that product is coming from. Um, so I think anybody who, you know, if you go into a pet store and you see a raw food brand, you know, I think you you can absolutely contact them to find out where where they are sourcing their meat from. And they should, you know, if they are a high quality brand, then they should have that traceability as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's it's all about having a conscience at the end of the day. And uh, our pets are so important to us that keeping their their health and promoting their longevity isn't as difficult as sometimes people think. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, with with a lot of things in life, um, things are overcomplicated. Um, and especially with having, you know, various conflicting information, especially online. I mean, the internet is amazing, but it also is a pain sometimes because there is just so much misinformation on there. Um, so, yeah, I think... You know, doing proper research, um, I would recommend to anybody, you know, before um, <clears throat> before switching to raw. Um, and also just so, you know, it's, it's worth phoning and speaking to companies, uh, you know, raw dog food manufacturers. We always welcome people calling us and asking us questions about, you know, where our products come from and, um, you know, the quality of them and 
basically any questions about feeding raw. And a, a lot of the time when you speak to people at the end of the call, they feel a lot better and are like, that's actually a lot more simple than I thought it was. <laughs> I, I agree. People think you're going to end up with something like a whole pig's leg or something delivered. Um, yeah. <laughs> recently, my cat Gremlin um, was poorly and um, I had to explain what Gremlin ate, you know, and he obviously was 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 fed on, on, on raw, um, lots of lamb's hearts and lots of other things. And <laughs> it was just... It was just really weird, it, you know, because <laughs> the vet just staring at me didn't understand it at all. Are you sure this is the best nutrition for your cat? You know, I couldn't really believe it, you know, because he was very aware that cats are obligate carnivores, which simply basically means they eat meat. <laughs> so it's just yeah. kind of this massive gap, isn't it? I think it is. And I think there's definitely like a lack of education you know, um, which is through nobody's fault. But there is a lack of education around pet food because, you know, we know that cats and dogs, they eat meat. So why not give them fresh, you know, wholesome meat? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think it's, um, and I, I totally understand where you're coming from because people do give you a strange look sometimes. You're like, what, raw meat? Like actual, you know, like liver and hearts. And it's like, yeah, that's, you know, that is actually probably one of the best things that you can give a cat or a dog um natural nutrients and you know way back in the day before the western world became how it is today um offal was you know often recommended to eat you know multiple times a week just because of its nutritional content and people did used to eat offal a lot more i think now it's kind of like people are quite disgusted by it um, but nutritionists that I've spoken to have said that, you know, we should all be including offal in our diet, even as humans. So interesting. You see, and you look at France, though, I think it's also quite regional. You know, I lived in Paris for two years. So I always have to drop oh, well, that did in. You? Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, I worked um, for my first firm I ever worked for organizing exhibitions and um, they had a Paris office and I could speak French. It was also casual in wow. those days. And they said, look, Anna, right, we're launching a show over there. It was going to be a multilingual show, bringing an American event to um, Europe and would have worked a lot better. Um, once the euro had been invented because it was quite a long time ago this so anyway yes yes oh gosh I love Paris I had this amazing flat on the island where Notre Dame is I mean I was right in the most amazing part of Paris that oh yeah so incredible a part of my heart was always there but interestingly though you know you'd go pigs trotters would be on the menu in a really shishi restaurant in Paris um, brains beef brains servo I mean a delicacy I never ate them um, all <laughs> sorts of things like really no waste going on in France and obviously it's supposed to be the culinary capital of the world and you know you're eating things like that tripe but, I mean, tripe on the menu everywhere. White tripe, obviously, washed tripe. But yeah. tripe is a real delicacy in France. So I think it's quite regional, you know. Yeah, well, it's, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, in, um, I think in England, we're very much like, um, I think we've lost our way with food, to be honest. Um, and, you know, it seems processed foods are just quite high up on the list. Um, for a lot of people and it's 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 quite sad really but I mean me saying this by the way I have not eaten offal in my life um, and the thought <laughs> of it yeah the thought of it does make me feel a bit oh I'm not sure but since learning about nutrition and learning about the benefits of these sorts of things I am actually very open to try it now um, not raw obviously um, <laughs> but um, yeah and I think the general public now I think is becoming more aware of you know nutrition which is only a good thing and I know we've got a long way to go you know with dogs but I think we're definitely on the right path into um uh you know putting raw food at the top at the top of the list when you're when you're buying food for your dog Absolutely. I mean, for me, you know, I can't really be faffed too much with too much cooking. You know, I've got better other things to do, you know, like walk the yeah. dogs or whatever <laughs> it might be. Well, I'm thinking, oh, let's get the cookery book out and get all these <laughs> ingredients and, you know, all the rest of it. So for me, it's just the simplicity of feeding raw, to be quite honest as well. And being absolutely, totally convinced that feeding dogs sterile food, which 
let's just put it bluntly, all processed food is sterile. That just doesn't really sit well with me at all. Never has done, you see. So that's why I love feeding raw. And I, I always have done since I've owned dogs on my own as a grown up now, gosh, Esther, for over 22 years. Mm, crumbs. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, no, don't. But um, yeah, and it's just the simplicity of doing it. And I think people are, are afraid of germs spreading in the fridge. And I always say to people that you've got to be sensible full stop yeah. you know you yeah. are handling raw meat so just like with your chicken that you might have for your Sunday roast you wash your hands after you've touched that chicken keep the chicken sealed and you don't keep the chicken next to your cheese or whatever in in the fridge and would you agree on that yeah absolutely this is probably one of the most common things we get asked about um you know about contamination and how dangerous it it could be to feed raw and in fact what you said is spot on you know if you're the way you would prepare or handle raw meat when you're cooking food for your family is exactly the same way you would do it here we always say to keep you know the packs in um in a sealed tupperware in the bottom of the fridge um so if it's sealed there's no way you know you're going to have any cross contamination there and just washing utensils after you've used them i mean it, it, it really is that simple um to do and I know that it tends to be overcomplicated but yeah if you can prepare you know uh, raw meat for cooking for your family it's exactly the same for your dog exactly exactly now paleo's really expanded in the last year or so I've seen it and you've got such a great range of treats now well I must say we love we love so we really recommend 110 percent yeah the treats range um is is doing really well and the treats that we offer i mean in line with our raw food as well um it's all natural all ethically sourced and all naturally air dried as well um just to make sure all of those nutrients are locked in so the good thing about the treats is there's no additives or anything in them and they're actually healthy <laughs> so you can feed them you know as as treats or you can feed them as a topper for your meals as well uh, which is quite handy and you know that giving those you're not um you know putting anything bad into your dog's system which which we love we do love that i have to say we love them all all the, the treats but i think possibly our favorite is the lamb lung i love oh. the lamb lung it's just such a great dog trading treat um just explain the lamb lung a little bit yeah so the lamb lung um so again these are naturally air dried and and lung is so nutritious, um, especially from lamb as well. There's just an abundance of vitamins and minerals in there. Um, and the good thing about the lung as well is compared to the other treats, which when they're dried, they can become like um, quite hard. Whereas the the lamb lung, um, they're, they're quite soft. So you can, I don't know how to describe the texture really, but they're, they're quite light. So you can break them in half quite easily. And yeah, in all honesty, I think they are our most popular treat at the moment. Wow. Yeah, I can believe that. And they're just so, as mentioned, you know, for dog training, so you can have them in your pocket. They, they're not sticky, so they don't stay in your trouser pocket or whatever. Yeah. Which is really useful. So, you you know, you've got quick access to a treat. That's the whole point with dog training. And also they don't crumble because although they're soft, I agree, the consistency is quite hard to describe. They're very easy with kitchen scissors to... to <laughs> That's good to know. Well, to cut. Obviously, <laughs> I've spent hours doing these things. Into <laughs> shavings. Um, very, very you know, nice. Like you might have Parmesan shavings on a Caesar salad. So you can create that uh, look, if you like, on your dog's dinner or indeed on, on even on your cat's dinner because lamb lung is totally species appropriate also for a cat. Um, and I do know, actually, that cats do like lamb lung. I know, you know, paleo doesn't sell them to be a cat treat exactly, but I don't think there's any harm in feeding the lamb lung to a cat. Do you, Esther? No, not at all. Um, I mean, lamb lung is is great for cats, whether it's raw or um, dried um, and to be honest when you told me about grating the lamb lung um, on top of your cat's food I did the same for mine and she loved it she really loved it well that's great isn't it that's isn't that exciting <laughs> yeah yeah it definitely is because I know a lot of people have dogs and cats together so um, you know for anybody listening that does 
uh, use our treats, um, give that a try. Just grate a little bit of the lamb lung um, on top of your cat's dinner and, and see what they think. And let us know as well if they like it. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And similarly, your broth is multi-species, isn't it? And that's also new. And it's been such a godsend. Certainly, we're recording actually in the middle of this strange Indian heatwave summer <laughs> that we're yeah. having. And broth is just, I just love it because it's such peace of mind because well, feeding raw and natural for me is just that peace of mind. And isn't that a lovely thing to be able to have in life, at least on one aspect <laughs> yeah but, definitely yeah and the broth it's peace of mind that you really are hydrating your dog when it's hot because dogs you know they suffer in the heat and it's all about you know bit by bit if your dog gets too hot on Tuesday gets too hot on Wednesday and Thursday as well that's when potentially you're creating slight organ damage basically so to know that you're doing everything in your capacity to stop that is peace of mind definitely and you know this this whole thing about prevention as well um you know preventing things before they get before they get bad and bone broth is you know especially during the summer has just been a godsend really because um you know you can freeze it you can give it as a frozen treat you can um give it as a cool drink you can even warm it in the winter and have it over um you know pour it over the food and each way it's just so packed full of nutrients it just does absolute wonders and again you can give it to your cat as well if you have cats it's not just suitable for for dogs um and i actually when we first uh, launched the our bone broth range I tried my cat on it. She's very fussy, as cats usually are. Um, and she couldn't get enough of it. She absolutely loves it. That's such good news. I know Gremlin, I used to call it brothers. Um, so, <laughs> I, you know, prior, I would always make my own broth. But now, of course, that's another burgeoning sector of the market. Certainly, years ago, broth well you certainly couldn't buy it anywhere really but now on a human level you you can buy broth I've got this super posh butcher that's opened quite recently they sell a whole range of different broth for humans which I wouldn't recommend people use for their dogs because often it's got things like onion and garlic in which are potentially toxic in the right quantity to dogs so always get a broth that's been designed specifically for a dog right Esther yeah definitely yeah, but um, so gremlin, yeah, brothers, that was our cue word for it. I'd go, Graham, it's time for brothers. And he'd come <laughs> running, you know, for his brothers. So I'm mad. I have funny words for things that work as a training <laughs> cue, you see. So um, it'll always be brothers in this house. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's funny. So, yeah, no, he was a massive fan. But you've got lamb broth, which I love because lamb isn't as uh, farmed in inverted commas as beef or chicken. That, yeah, exactly right. And I think any, anything lamb um, based, you know, whether it's lamb tripe or lamb broth, lamb lung, um, you know, we we usually recommend lamb to, to a lot of people just because it is such a great meat. And as you said, it's not, um, you know, it's not as intensely farmed as other animals Exactly. And that's important, as is variety, you know. So to swap different broths with different meats that you might have selected, if you're going for a bit of uh, paleo pork, then maybe choose the uh, chicken brothers to complement that with a bird. Definitely. Yeah. And I think variety is key um, with, with feeding raw as well, because you'll get different levels of nutrients from different animals. And also, you know, feeding your dog the same thing uh, time and time again is, is really boring for them just to have the same meat. And not only that, they're not going to be getting everything that they need from it. So to mix things up is actually really great for them. And I'm sure they would agree um, that they love having all the different flavours. Yes. Well, it's also just mimicking how they would exist if they were a street dog or back in the day when they were wild because one day they might eat um, a whole rabbit you know the next day they might have a chicken yeah <laughs> or, or a bird or find something you know or whatever it might be a tasty rat I mean you know yes perish <laughs> the thought but let's let's be realistic about that I've got so many foxes around here at the moment and the other night I was just working here at 
laptop and I could just see the garden through the window and I was like oh no here we go and there was a fox in my garden with a rat throwing it around just like a cat would throwing it in the air jumping on it throwing it up and down I thought gosh please eat it I thought yeah (laughs) please don't leave that rat dead for me to tread in it first thing in the morning or something you know you know it happened it's nature that's the thing I think we have to get realistic about this dogs are animals you know what I mean yeah, of course. And it's like, I mean, it's lovely nowadays that, you know, for our domestic dogs that we've got these complete meals that has everything minced up and put in for you. So all you have to do is defrost it and put it in the bowl. You know, it's amazing that we have this available now, whereas, you know, 20, 30 years ago or so, it would all be DIY, wouldn't it? So you would be having to deal with, you know, the full prey or, you know, legs or actual whole hearts or anything which a lot of people wouldn't want to deal with nowadays so the fact that we've got these complete meals all minced up is 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 amazing and it makes people want to um you know feed raw well it does especially when I honestly believe you know you see the benefits in your dog so quickly um from brighter eyes to of course cleaner teeth and teeth that's a whole nother podcast perhaps to talk about and how raw really helps keep your dog's oral health in good nick naturally again because of not being sterile and you know not sticking into their teeth and creating um dental disease yeah I mean that's a whole topic and it is like you said yeah (laughs) um but it's you know that is one of the biggest benefits to shout about with raw is is uh you know oral health which is massive as well because you know your um a dog's mouth is the beginning of the digestive system so you know that again has a knock-on effect to everything else um so if you've got bad gum health then that's going to affect your digestive system and then it's going to have a knock-on effect and so on and so on but um I won't yeah. go too deep into that right now <laughs> well no but but the other thing about this right because um I was actually talking on the Jeremy Vine show about this uh you know name drop what am I like and you see <laughs> dentals aren't covered in the main by insurance so when your dog has a hygienist appointment you can't claim it on insurance so you have to totally pay for it yourself obviously you know the minimum amount for a dental hygienist appointment is around about 500 and some wow. of it you have to be aware of all this I mean I'm lucky I suppose in my experience but it can be a whole lot more if your vet hasn't sort of made it clear that sometimes they charge by the tooth so you may be putting your dog under a, you know an anesthetic or an all the rest of it for two teeth to be removed and then you go and pick your dog up and find that five teeth have been removed so your bill could then suddenly be double you know almost double than what you thought it was going to be so there's that aspect too uh, to think of you know nitty-gritty financial reasons to feed raw it's quite scary, actually. I did actually hear you. Um, I listened to you on the Jeremy Vine show yesterday. You did very well, by the way. Oh, oh, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, about vet spills. And I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, with, um, you know, why we try to shout about raw diet, because vet spills are crazy, you know, crazy high. And um, it does put people off wanting to adopt dogs, I think. I think that's probably the biggest thing. That, that prevents people from rescuing dogs is, you know, the, the implications of the, of the vet bills that could come. So, you know, in our eyes, what we want to do is try and promote a natural raw diet that will prevent people from having to take their dogs to the vets, you know, as, as much as possible. And if you're strengthening the immune system and you're not putting processed rubbish into their systems, chances are they're going to be quite healthy and your, your vet vis- visits are going to be very limited um, which is also another plus for for feeding a good quality diet. Yes, and and that's why you know I feel oftentimes not all vets you know there's more vets that are embracing feeding raw some vets even sell raw in their practices actually you know but there's still many vets that just think you're utterly weird and you yeah. do get a lot of resistance to it and. I mean, for me, you know, I just see that as being a bit afraid of raw, as <laughs> limiting their profits. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> which yeah. which is really what what was being aired on Jeremy Vine. I mean, we're at a point now where government is looking into vet bills in this country as being three times more than what they are in France. And people, some people going to France have procedures done because the whole thing, even with the traveling to France and everything, will be considerably cheaper than just popping up to your local practice, which I feel is just really sad, you know. I just feel it's so sad. I just it, think yeah. it's so sad. That's all I can think it is. Uh, you know, I grew up watching All Creatures Great and Small based on, you know, James Herriot and all of that. And, gosh, I mean, it's nothing like that anymore. And that's yeah. all happened again in such a short period of time, you know. I think it's such a shame as well, because, you know, if, if people are having to, to travel abroad to get cheaper, you know, care for their pets, the, the scary thing is, is that the people who actually just can't afford it, what's what's actually happening to their animals? Because if they can't afford the care, um, you know, there's there's not many options for them. And that is, you know, quite heartbreaking. But you see, feeding the good diet, I did mention this, I think, didn't I, yesterday? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank <laughs> you. you. <know>. <laughs> Well, obviously you didn't mention any brands. No, of course. Um, um, but yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's a simple, cost-effective way of literally, I promise every listener here, to keep your dog away from the vet. And, you know, feeding, again, you know, feeding a, a wholesome diet, feeding a variety. Um, if you can, you know, limit the amount of toxins um, in, in the environment as well, you know, with, uh, you know, harsh floor cleaners, and you know and uh antibacterial gels and things around your dog um you know if you're doing that then your dog is going to have such an amazing chance at not having to go to the vets which is ultimately what we want we want to prevent that as much as we can um so you know do some research and you know contact us if you want to talk or you know contact anna because um ultimately what our goal is in this industry is to uh, prevent dogs from from getting diseases and having to seek medical care absolutely oh please come back and can we do a whole episode on environmental stressors yes definitely I think that's a big topic actually at the moment <laughs> well it is um, I, mean, I remember I've, I've done a, a an okay blog for you but that just covered kind of a brief overview really you know there's so many more that's a brilliant blog, by the way, um, for anybody listening. If you go to the Paleo Ridge website and you'll see Anna's um, blog on our news section um, about environmental stresses. And it is it's a very informative blog. Really great. Oh, thank you. I think it just gives people a flavour of. Yeah. 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 But obviously, you know, there's so much more that we can discuss on that. Definitely. You know, I mean, vaccines, for example, I might as well just say, it. you know, they are an environmental stressor too. over medication is an environmental stressor. And so, of course, if your dog is fed on raw and doesn't have a load of inflammation in their body, then the chances of them needing medication is reduced, you see. So and I just think, what I didn't say on Jeremy Vine yesterday, because I got, you know, I did, I did the piece, I think it was just right, um, was looking abroad. You know, let's look for inspiration in other countries and how other countries' vets operate. And many of them are extremely different to ours. Like, you know, in Norway, you don't spay or neuter because it's illegal. Now, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, really? Gosh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. In a, yeah, in Scandinavia, in Sweden, it's not illegal, but it's really frowned upon. And in Norway, it is illegal. Obviously, if your dog has an issue, like one testicle hasn't come down or something, then, okay, neutering is, is allowed because that can be a dangerous health issue for, for a male dog. But no, absolutely not. Because the science, you see, is out there. that It's all to do with the LH hormone that accumulates you see in the body and doesn't have anywhere to go and so it's neutering and spaying distorts the balance you know the homeostasis of the body because it's a totally unnatural thing to do and sadly the science is out there that neutered animals do get cancer more than unneutered. That's really interesting because I mean when when I um, adopted my cat when she was younger um she's 11 now so I've had her you know just over 10 years um and at that time I was very I didn't really she was my first 
you know, my first proper pet. Um, and I didn't really know much about it. But, you know, you're, you're given this advice, like you must have them spayed at this age and you must do this, that and the other. Um, and now knowing the things that I know now, it's um, it's actually quite you kind of feel a bit bad, don't you? Um, about going through these processes and not really knowing much about it. Absolutely. And and the pressure is still on with vets. Lots of people ring me up and one in particular lovely Italian greyhound client said, Anna, what is this? I don't want to get be neutered. She's 12 weeks. I, I'm so not going to think about this now, all the rest of it. And I thought, well, quite right. Remember, she's your dog. But I'm getting text messages from the vet practice going, we need to book her in for a six month spay. Yeah, and actually, no, she doesn't need to be spayed. It's not a given that your dog will get pregnant if you don't have them neutered. Prue's not neutered. She'll never have puppies, of course, you know. Um, Binks is, sadly, but he was... um, you know, neutered before I got him. Otherwise, um, I don't think I would neuter him. Cats uh, are different, actually. You know, an unneutered cat becomes a tomcat if they're a boy. They're more prone, obviously, to getting accidents, being run over, getting into punch-ups and all of these things. So it's a bit trickier with a cat particularly one that's outdoors and I think Tom you know male cat yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so that so it's a bit different with cats and um and female cats come into season all the time and so on so yeah it's a different issue with cats but certainly with dogs there's no reason that anything wrong could happen and behaviorally of course it's a massive misnomer that chopping off a dog's balls will make them less aggressive that also has been scientifically proven to not be the case as well so um, I think that that's actually yeah that's probably one of the biggest um, myths I would say that you hear all the time and that that is you know the only solution for sorting out their their behavior um, which is mind-blowing well it seems it's an easy solution so people think oh great I'll just get that done and then everything will be fine and yeah. then they, they realize that actually crumbs it's got worse because the science concurs that it can make it all worse but we're so now everything should be one click and so it's the hard work in dog training every day that I think a lot of owners perhaps underestimated that it is hard work and it's a commitment to own a dog it's not just for Instagram definitely and I think that needs to be highlighted a lot more Um, And I know, I think we spoke about, I can't remember if it was the last podcast I did with you and we were talking about, you know, perhaps we need to bring bring back like a a license or, you know, taking some sort of exam or something before you, (laughs) before you get a dog. So, you know what you're letting yourself in for and you know what your responsibility is as the dog owner, um, you know, for the rest of their life. Yes, yes. I think it is going to come in, actually. There's um, a number of organisations talking about launching such an exam, but it's regulating it and deciding, you know, the levels of passing it or not and all the rest of it that does. I think that will take a bit of time. And I just, again, can't believe that we're in a position where something like this is having to be discussed. You know, we've been living with dogs for over 30,000 years um, really well and it's just this modern world I think and feeling that you want to be in a club and have a dog and that makes you belong to the dog world but it's more difficult because your dog might pull on the lead and bark at everybody and then that world you wanted to be a part of you're ostracized from or feel embarrassed a lot of people feel embarrassed when their dog barks and creates and does things they don't want the the dog to do walking along the pavement so I say to people don't but you know one one person said recently but it's so embarrassing Anna and I'm like well look just don't think of it like that we've got to work through his problems there isn't any other way to do it and this particular little dog is doing really really well actually um yeah I'm quite proud yeah so I like taking on here yeah I like taking on older dogs actually with really dedicated owners um that want to see the benefits because it's so rewarding and you're spending time with your dog I'm it's just 
such a great thing to do. <laughs> That's because I do it all the time. But I just find it so relaxing. You're in the moment. You, you, when you've got a difficult dog, you really can't think about anything else than you and that dog when you're out and about, and you see progress. And this is it, it's so satisfying. That's the thing, and and it's an aspect of life that you really can't get from anywhere else apart from being with your dog. Yeah, which I think is an amazing experience um you know having this connection and this bond and working with you know this totally different species yeah <laughs> um and, and building such a lovely connection which you know dogs and humans have such an amazing bond and when you see that work well it's there's just nothing like it exactly well esther look we could chat and chat and chat but so yes let's reconvene and perhaps delve into um some some of these other aspects and why raw can help you train your dog yes definitely would love to come back and uh, and talk more with you thank you esther so much oh no problem thanks for having me That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, it is so interesting talking about nutrition. And as you know, I could talk about it all day. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. <coughs> Never underestimate that you are what you eat. <coughs> well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcast because it really does make a difference. Thanks again to Esther Logue for joining us today and all the links, of course, are in the show notes. Thanks again to Mike Hansen, my very patient producer, and you'll find out more about him at Pod People UK. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So go on, subscribe. It's free. And that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.